Welcome to the Eat Like an Italian podcast, where we will discuss the rationale, benefits, and practical application of the Mediterranean diet. We will explain how to maintain healthy eating habits without actually dieting, while at the same time enjoying some of the best cuisine on the planet. The centuries-old food traditions found in Italy still provide the most accurate template for a long and active life in the 21st century. We'll dive into the what of these practices, but we'll also unpack the why, so that we can better understand the direct links between lifestyle choices and overall well-being. Join us in the kitchen and at the table for a generous helping of delicious food. Here's to your health. Ciao. Hello, and thanks for joining me in this first episode of Eat Like an Italian podcast. You can also visit the website, eatlikeanitalian.com, to read some of the articles on this topic. So this podcast is meant to be an informal discussion about some of the various aspects of the Mediterranean diet and beyond that, the the lifestyle that goes along with it. So it's not just the food. There are some other things that we'll discuss as well. Um, So the Mediterranean diet, of course, it refers to the literally the diet that's found in the Mediterranean countries. But it was first given its name by the American uh, physiologist Ansel Keys, who who traveled through Europe during the 40s and 50s, and he studied people uh, living in this area and found that they all tended to have lower rates of heart disease and just general overall better health, and they lived longer. In fact, Keys himself maintained this diet his whole life and lived to be 101 years old. So what is it exactly? Well, I think we all have a general sense that it is uh, a diet that's very heavily influenced by um, vegetables, certainly, uh, grains, whole grains, not processed grains. Uh, yes, pasta, of course, in Italy, there'll be pasta and uh, and rice as well, but a lot of fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, um, a little bit of meat, a little bit of seafood, but really that's going to be like, you know, five to 10% of the diet. So it's not a vegetarian diet, although it is heavily, heavily uh, slanted towards vegetables. Of course, they also drink a little bit of wine, and they have a very active social lives, and they also are active in general, just you know, moving throughout the day, not going to the gym or running marathons, but just daily activities, gardening and shopping and you know, walking instead of driving. And all of these factors lead to just an overall healthier lifestyle and a decreased incidence of cardiovascular disease and even cancer and diabetes. So, uh, you know, the problem is it's, it's kind of a challenge to maintain this diet in, you know, the 21st century United States and other industrial, industrialized countries outside of the Mediterranean. Although it must be said, even, even Italy today, I mean, the, there's a rise in obesity. Uh, you know, the original people who ate the Mediterranean diet, well, their great-grandchildren are now part of this uh, global industrial diet phenomenon that's, uh, you know, sort of started in the U.S., or maybe U.K., and spread across the, the whole world. So we need to go back not to what people in Italy are eating today or Greece or Spain or, or any of the Mediterranean countries, but what they're eating like two or even three generations ago. Uh, you know, it wasn't really a choice for them. I mean, this is just the food that was available to them, and they they did like eating good food. But um, you know, they made the best of what they had. They didn't have a lot of meat, uh, so they did eat a lot of vegetables. But they found ways to make it appealing um, by just very simple ingredients, but very fresh and seasonal ingredients. So we're going to look at all that and and why these things are. Um, are healthier than some of the other options that are available to us today, even the so-called healthy options. And in fact, 
often the healthy options that you see at the grocery store are probably the things you should avoid the most because these tend to be highly processed. They have, you know, wonderful packaging and labels and, and big print on them that says, you know, low fat, low cholesterol, low carb, whatever the buzzword of the day is, they'll be nice and big on the package. But, um, you know, we still need to be doing our shopping at the periphery of the grocery store in the, in the produce section, a little bit of meat, a little bit of dairy, but, um, you know, mostly fruits, vegetables, and healthy grains. That should comprise the majority of our diet. Now, before we go any further with this, uh, let's say something about research, uh, medical research, statistical research in general, and see where we're at with this and how we came upon this idea that the, you know, confirming that this diet was healthy. Well, if you want to break down research into two general categories, you could say there's observational studies where you look at data over a long period of time. You collect this data um, various ways. I mean, you can do it with questionnaires. You can do it with um, with surveys. You can do it with, um, you know, any number of ways you can do this observational data. You know, you could look at hospital records, doctor's records, and you analyze the data. Uh, so that's one way of doing it. And some people say that this is not the best way because you can't really ever prove causation. You can prove correlation. So a Mediterranean diet leads to uh, a longer health lifespan, but you, you can't prove that you can prove that the two things are, are correlated, but not necessarily that one causes the other. So to get a more accurate picture, scientists like to do what they call a double blind uh, study. Uh, randomized sample study. So what they would do is separate two groups of people and they would say, okay, you guys eat this diet, you guys eat that diet, and we're going to compare the two. So these two groups have to be very, very similar demographically. So age, sex, uh, you know, education, all these things. And then you have to give them the one thing you're trying to experiment on, which is the diet. Well, the problem with this is, you know, you'd have to do the study for, you have to basically lock them in a you know, isolation for 20 years and just feed them the diet and, you know, keep everything else the same. So we can't really do that with humans. We do it with, with laboratory animals and we've been able to prove these same results. So when you combine the observational studies, the data studies um, of these people from the Mediterranean countries, along with animal studies, we get a pretty clear picture. And then there's also anecdotal evidence, which, you know, frankly, doesn't ever prove anything except, you know, worth mentioning that, you know, it can prove something for the individual, meaning that, you know, everybody's body does respond differently. So if you say, well, um, you know, a vegan diet is the best thing for me, well, it, that could very well be. I mean, overall, it's better to have a more balanced diet like the Mediterranean diet than a vegan diet. But for some people, the vegan diet might be the way to go. Others, maybe the opposite, the paleo diet would be better. But again, these are exceptions and everybody has to figure out their own answers to that. But we can make some very general comments about human nutrition overall, and these remain accurate, that the balanced diet found in the Mediterranean diet is really the best for most people. Now, going back to what Ansel Keys studied, um, you know, he his big thing, his big claim to fame with, with this Mediterranean diet would actually got things going uh, as far as national consciousness and even the government got involved was um, – correlating the high fat or high animal fat diet with high cholesterol with, with heart disease. So up until this point, maybe in the mid-50s, early 50s, um, 
you know, nobody really made that connection, but Ansel Keys is the one who brought that to national prominence. So in 1956, the American Heart Association told the public that a diet which included large amounts of butter, lard, eggs, and beef would lead to coronary artery disease. But then very quickly, they got a lot of pushback from the beef and dairy industries, so they had to change the message. Eat less meat was abruptly replaced with choose meats, poultry, and fish that will reduce your saturated fat intake. Well, this was uh, a dangerous thing because it, what it did was it, it it not only confused the public, but it exonerated the foods that people were familiar with and placed the blame on nebulous concepts like like uh, high density lipoproteins and unsaturated fats and and things like that that the average person didn't understand. So all that research didn't really help inform the average person that much. But this led to a national campaign against all fats, and uh, we entered the age of the highly processed foods that conformed to the marketing message rather than to sound nutritional advice. The food industry began reformulating their products accordingly, taking out the perceived bad ingredients like fat and replacing it with something even worse in many cases, which is refined sugar or, or extra salt in order to keep the flavor. Well, it's easy to criticize all that in retrospect, but the truth is, you know, we have a lot more research now to better inform this debate. But uh, that's still, Ansel Keys did get a few things right, and he got a few things wrong. What he got right, yes, there is a strong correlation between uh, large amounts of animal fat in the diet and the prevalence of certain illnesses, such as heart, heart disease and cancer. Now, again, the correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation, but there is a strong enough, there is enough long-term population data, along with those lab experiments on animals, where we can feel pretty confident in this relationship. It also seems likely that good fats, such as found in olive oil, avocados, and other plant sources, are protective against heart disease. Again, there's some debate on this, but that seems to be the general consensus. Now, what Keyes got wrong, uh, well, I mean, for, first of all, he, he oversimplified the whole thing. You know, he made us focus on, you know, saturated fats and cholesterol, where that was only one component of a larger not only diet, but lifestyle in general. I mean, you know, what about, um, you know, vegetables? What about activity level? What about uh, social interactions? And so that was never really considered. And that is actually, as it turns out, a big part of why the Mediterranean diet is so, uh, so beneficial. But the thing about the diet that he actually missed specifically was he he, for, he neglected the role of refined sugars. He got, he got uh, called out on that by uh, a British nutritionist in 1972 uh, who published a book called Pure, White, and Deadly, uh, which was written in terms that the general population could understand rather than doctors and academics. And uh, this kind of made Keyes look bad because uh, it kind of uh, took away some of his thunder and, and made us focus on other things besides just his big thing, which was the cholesterol. So... Uh, the other thing that it did was it ushered in the area, uh, the era of uh, big pharma, and uh, with this drug such as Lipitor, which were wonderful uh, for both the doctors and the patients because you know they did work at doing this one thing, which was to lower the number, your cholesterol number on your lab report. Okay, so it was super easy to make this uh, association. You know, you could. Your doctor shows you you have high cholesterol. He gives you this pill, and three months later, your cholesterol is, you know, wonderful. It's normal. It's below normal. It's fantastic. But what this does is it takes the responsibility away from the patient, and, uh, you know, their lifestyle goes unchanged. They still eat bad food, but they're taking the pill, so, you know, they feel okay. And, you know, that's an easy thing for most people to take a pill instead of trying to change their whole diet and, indeed, their whole lifestyle. So this is where we're going to stop for today, but this is our jumping off point. So we want to 
unpack these different aspects of the Mediterranean diet and um, how we can incorporate it into our 21st century lives and why these things work and uh, perhaps get a little more discussion going on uh, you know practical applications for this how we can how we can make it work for us in this world where you know seems to be everything is going against us to accomplish that thanks for listening and i'll talk next time well that's it for today's episode come back next time for another generous helping of straight talk about the benefits of a mediterranean diet and find us on our website at eatlikeanitalian.com. Ciao.